Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We once again thank you. Thank you, Lord. Sixty days, O Lord, you enabled us, O Lord. Truly, Lord, we look back. It was you, Father. We didn't even know, and we did really did not have it in us, Lord, to preach day and night. Two services a day, 16 services a week. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We thank you for all those who came to know you during these 60 days. So many new believers were added during these 60 days. We understand so many who came to know you during these 60 days also went to be with the Lord during these 60 days. We just thank you, Father, for that privilege of for being used to bring these souls into that kingdom. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. This night, once again, we surrender ourselves and all our hearers, wherever, whichever part of the world they are in, we commit them all into thy hands. And we continue to pray. Your word will edify us. Your word will build us up. Your word will heal us. Your word will deliver us. Your word will continue to save us, O oh Lord. So we come to you, Lord. And I pray and I release the word as we speak, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The last two days, Sunday morning and uh, yesterday evening, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah. <laughs> two days we've been looking at the spirit of the Antichrist, okay, before the Antichrist himself, the big man, is manifested. Please remember, by his number, the number of a man, when he comes, he will be what flesh always longed to be. I believe he'll be incredibly charismatic, unbelievably good-looking, maybe, incredible orator, probably great singer, Everything of Indian Idol, Britain Got Talent, American Idol, all put together, he will be magician, will do all kinds of signs, wonders, and people will say, this is the Christ. They won't say this is the Antichrist. This will be the Christ of the flesh. Okay? So we were looking at this, but the spirit of the Antichrist has been there right from the beginning. The one that opposes Christ or tries to, to See, Christ is not manifested. So that's what we were looking at two nights, because we have to identify the enemies of our faith. And all the letters, if you look at it from Romans all the way to Revelation, were written also has warnings. So, if you look at all these years, are our messages, both to edify and to warn the church. And the purpose of every epistle was to edify and to warn. Okay? So the messages we preach from here are aimed primarily to our church, our churches around the world, so that they are edified, built up, and they are warned. <coughs> so today, let's again turn this time to Second John. The second epistle written by Apostle John. 
chapter 1 and we will read from verse 4 to 11. It's a tough, a small little epistle, tough epistle from the most gentle of Jesus' disciples. Okay? I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. Now I plead you with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Okay, truth and love. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, and you should walk in it. Okay, he's talking about the walk, meaning that should be your life, your pattern, truth and love. Okay, reason. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. So the walk is important. Many deceivers have gone into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Understand the walk. You have to make the connection. Because they say, okay, Jesus, it's different. He's different. We can't walk like him. Can't walk like him. He was truth and he was love. And he walked before us. So he says, many deceivers have come out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. He's against this life of Christ being manifested in us. And he will succeed. If he can stop us from believing this and stop the life of Christ being manifested in our walk, then only the life of Satan <laughs> will be manifested. Okay, One or the two will be manifested. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourself that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him, shares in his evil deeds. Okay? Meaning, when you hear those messages which are contrary to the life of Jesus Christ, switch it off. Don't let them into your front room, into your life. Be careful who you listen to. That's what the Bible is talking about. Like now, today, nobody invites. Those days, of course, preachers went from town to town and synagogue to synagogue and house to house they did. Today, we invite them with a click of the button. So it sounds incredibly tough from a very gentle apostle. Okay, He says, be very careful what you receive into your life, into your minds, because like poison can kill your body, so can false doctrine kill your soul. Little by little. Okay? So again in the second epistle, we saw last week, last two days from the first epistle, in the second epistle, John warns of the false servants, deceivers as he calls them, those who have gone out. And what is their main confession? Verse 7. What is their main confession? They deny that Jesus, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Okay, that's their main confession. They don't, they deny Jesus came in the flesh, meaning he actually came as a man in this same flesh like ours and he lived an overcoming life. That they deny. Because if you, they cannot stop you from getting saved, they will try to say that you lose your crown. 
Because everything in the book of Revelation, I, I, if my memory is right, these epistles were written after the book of Revelation. That's what my memory says. Okay, I'm not sure I could be wrong. I could go back home and check it out. If that is true, after he sees the entire uh, book of Revelation, okay, he understands the entire trap of the enemy to see that he steals the crowns from God's children that you just scrape through. Because you have received a message that uh, you cannot overcome. You cannot. It's not possible. Okay, Jesus' life is different. But then why should he tell to the, the if you look in category-wise, the worst church of the Lord, Laodicea, that if you overcome as I overcame. Okay, he says, I mean, if it's not possible, would he say that? Even to the least of the churches, he tells them it is possible. Okay, so get this picture. So verse 8, be careful. Be warned. Don't lose, he says, those things which we worked for, that we may receive a full reward. What is a full reward? He who overcomes, inherits all. Okay? And verse 9, he says, abide, live in it, abide. Who are transgressors and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. So there is a doctrine. Okay? Unlike the other doctrines of demon, the lords of the there are a lot of things in this, but it is called the doctrine of Christ. Why? Because it is not a teaching. It is a life. Jesus does not have two lives. He has only one life. Whether he was in heaven or whether he came in the flesh, he lived one life. So that entire life is encapsulated into called the doctrine of Christ. But in the world it is not true. The doctrine of communism will differ in so many ways from the doctrine of socialism. And socialism will differ from humanism. Humanism will differ from feminism. So different. The doctrine of Christ, everything fits into it. The doctrine of Christ. Okay? So abide in it. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Meaning he has the life of God. If the life of the Father and the Son are not different. What the Father was on in heaven is what the Son lived on earth. You're getting the picture what he's trying to put across, okay? He has both the Father and the Son. So the Son was walking on earth, the Father was in heaven, and the Son was living the life of the Father. So he says, if you have the doctrine of Christ and abide in it, you have the same life. When we talk about life, please don't think in terms of God's power and might and omniscience and omnipresence and all. We are not talking about that. We are talking about that image in which he had originally created man, the character of God. The, the righteousness of God and the holiness of God to which God says every child should be aiming at. Okay, Verse 10 and 11, he talks about the importance of true doctrine. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house or greet him. He said, you have to be very, very careful doctrine. That's why in the apostolic church, when the church began, the entire focus first was teaching people about doctrine. And what they taught was the doctrine of Christ. Okay, They didn't have the new covenant, but Jesus had opened up scriptures for them, the entire Old Testament. What did he show them from the Old Testament? Christ in the Old Testament, the life of Christ. So I believe the apostles were establishing the doctrine of Christ from the Old Testament. See, do you see the life of Abel? Do you see the life of Enoch? Do you see the life of all these people? And through the Old Testament, they were teaching what was hidden is the life of God, the life of Jesus Christ. 
So we are not learning uh, stuff like we learn in school. Now we are not learning wisdom and knowledge and all. We are learning life, the life, because that's the life we have to live out. Like I said, no, we t- always tell children, class 10, class 12, study well. After that, you choose your career. People like me left everything after 12. Most of the stuff which I learned till 12, I left and picked just one subject. That's what happens, so no, everything. Like Pastor Vijay, he, he went into another stream. But when you move from class 12 to that stream, all the stuff which you studied, most of it you leave and you go into one stream. And you don't need those things at all. I don't need geography, history. You can live with happily without any of those things. Okay, But the Bible is, does not work that way. Bible is talking about the life of Christ. It is our life which we have to live out. Okay, so doctrine. And when it comes to doctrine, okay, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, we're not going there, but there are primary or elementary, like like we said, 1 to class 10, is ele- it's like pr- fundamental for any student before we can go further. But even there, we divide it, we call it into elementary school, the first few years. So there is fundamental doctrines, elementary doctrines, which everybody needs to know. We are not focusing on that today. This is it. Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. See, this is not the, this is principles of Christ, the person of the person. Let us go on to perfection. We have to go to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. What is the first of the elementary where it all begins? Repentance from dead works. All the works, even the wicked works, which would have brought the wrath of God upon us, or the good works of religion to be considered righteous because it's all were dead works. Repentance from dead works. And faith towards God. Okay? One is repentance from dead works. Two, faith towards God. Two is doctrine of baptisms. There are different baptisms, okay? Like when Jesus was walking and the apostolic gave the doctrine, baptism of John. Remember Paul asking, baptism of Jesus. In Jesus' name, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The so doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, the doctrine of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So there are six fundamental elementary teachings which is connected with the life of Jesus Christ, okay? And the writer of Hebrews, he says, this is for babes. And babes have to be taught this and then move on to perfection. Move on to perfection. And as you move on to perfection, overall nothing is changing, but you are growing in the doctrine of Christ. This is how you know, does my life agree with that life? That's how you evaluate. Okay, this is not an examination to pass. This is examining one life with the other life. This is what the life of Jesus Christ is. This is what my life is. How does my life agree with the life of Jesus Christ? Okay, so everything changes. Everything is. You have to realize that, no? We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And that is the struggle we have to face. Let me tell you. Simply let me tell you across. This today, the 19th of May, 60 days are over for us, 19th of May. One of the most influential persons for a believer, not for Christians, for believers, genuine believers, passed, went to be with the Lord, Revizak. He influenced millions and millions of uh, believers who understand English, right? He influenced, uh, brought them to the Lord, you know, influenced them. But if you look in any of the world news channels, it's not even mentioned. 
with some Bollywood actor commit suicide, immediately it will be there in headline news. So we also have to, people who are listening always have to realize, what does God mean that you are not of the world? Because the world will not notice these people who went to be with the Lord. Not even mention about them. But in eternity, what do these people have any influence at all? The other people who the world talks about has no influence at all. Absolutely no. They're not even meant, they don't even remembered. Their names also won't be there because their names are not there in the Lamb's book of life. So we always have to think about it. What is God right in our eyes other than CBN news? Okay, because it's Christian broadcasting, it's big headlines. It's there. Others, some of them may bring it tomorrow, may or may not. Okay? But what I am saying is, but do you think in heaven's news, like Christian world, which is the big news, Revis Agrias went to be with the Lord. Okay, it's news for us. But the rest of the world does not even aware. It's not even aware. So please understand, we have to be very, very careful. So 60 days, God has actually given us a pause to say, slow down. Think what life really is. What are you really after? What are you really, really after? Do you understand? How do you evaluate? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. What are you really, really after? No? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. He's talking about there is a life here on earth. And you can lay up if you want. Store. You can build your life on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and still he said it will be all lost. Ultimately, nobody will take anything. More, more, give me more. He's talking about the futility of pursuing a life that is earth-based. Possessions, things, money, fame, reputation. And ultimately, Solomon says it was a chasing after wind. Don't is the master's command. Don't pursue it because at the end of your life, when it is too late to make amends, though in his mercy he saves you, even at that stage, you really end up empty. And Isaac did not end up empty. Lived a full life in God. He didn't empty. So it was a glorious, quiet, nice, godly going home. Okay? So he says, what are you pursuing? Do not lay up. Do not hoard. In verse 20 he says, But hoard. Lay up. It looks like a contradiction. But lay up. He say, Do not hoard. Do not lay up. But lay up. Even in this life, if you get it right, you can lay up. For your soul treasures in heaven. Where neither moth no rust, destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 also, 2021, I can have it put together. Yeah, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. He says, you know what? You have to learn how to want less and how to want more at the same time. You have to learn how to stock less and stock more at the same time. Because I've given you this life. This life is full of time, energy, strength, passions, all this thing. But don't invest it in the wrong things. 
because the day your eyes close, it will all be lost. Invest it in the right things so that when your eyes open there, you realize, boy, I sent a lot ahead and it's waiting for me there. I didn't lose anything. He says, use that same things, your energy, your passion, you know, time, youth. No, Solomon will say finally, fellow who wasted his life. No, children, what should young people do? Pursue your creator. Yeah, pursue your creator in the days of your youth. Serve him in the days of your youth. Pursue things that have eternal value. No, that is the entire purpose of salvation. Otherwise, God could just save a man and take him home. But he says, you know what, you'll come empty there. I want you to come and see that boy. Boy, you know, a lot of people, when they have, look at people who have lived their life, let us say in worldly terms, kind of well. They relax. They have no worldly tension. Ghar to hai, paisa to hai, bache ko shadi karwa diya. Right? I lived well, I made my money, I built my house, it's in my name, married my children off, no liabilities. Okay, so even in earthly terms, you will see there is a kind of what you call rest you can enter. That does not mean you enter into rest there. So God says in the same way, think about something in eternity. You can enter enter into something there and says, you know what, I really, really stored up for eternity. In the Bible, the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles, they were always focusing on eternity. And how you should live now for the ever after. Now, you have been given now. This is, this is my point of time. Meaning you have chronos and kairos. And now this is in our time. Now it is 7, 8.22. 8.22. It is touching now. This boat is coming now. And he says, every moment, how do you live? How do you live for the ever after now is by faith. By faith. What does faith say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. When you live by faith, what are you doing? You are storing up for eternity, where moth, neither rust or moth destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And if your heart is there, that's how you will live, and your treasure will be there, absolutely untouched and saved for you. So God says, also remember, if you're a child of God, if you're a child of God, God has given you everything you need for that successful life on earth. He's already given, not that he will give it to you. He has already given to you like kind of, like say, in seed form. It is there in you. Second Peter chapter three, uh, chapter one, uh, and verse three. One three. His divine power has given us to us all things. It's already given. That pertain to life and godliness. It's already given. It's not that he will give you. That's already given. Why do we fail then? Because we do not hear and obey. Everything that we need both for God this life and for godliness. He has given us. But it is only through the knowledge of Him. Not the knowledge of the Bible, but the knowledge of Him 
who speaks through the Bible. Otherwise, everybody who reads the Bible and memorizes it and have read 50 years, have read the Bible through 50 times, but you look at their life, nothing has changed. So it is not the knowledge of the Bible, it is the knowledge of Him. Okay, because then there is an exchange that is taking place. Everything, everything. And one of the simple examples given in the Bible, because the prototypes, physical prototypes are there in the old covenant, so that we understand the spiritual aspect of it, is Isaac. It is Isaac. And if you turn with me to, we are not looking at Isaac's life, just uh, interlude. Genesis 26, verses 1 to 3. There was famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the day of Abraham, Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. Okay, he was on the road to his father's old beaten path he was taking. Gerar, Egypt. Lord stopped him there. Don't go. Don't look at your situation. Don't look at the famine. Don't look at the climate. Don't look at the weather. Don't look at the ground. Don't look at all the people moving. You stay. You stay. And then in verse 12, he does something. And I believe God told him and he does something. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Okay? In the physical... Isaac was partaking of the divine nature. Okay, that's what was happening. He was partaking in the physical. You see, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's twelve sons. Okay, your four generations: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the twelve sons. He is the only one of these four generations who never stepped. One step outside the promised land. Stayed there. Every one of them went out. Abraham went to Egypt. Jacob went to Egypt. The twelve sons went to Egypt. Isaac is the only one who was born, lived, and died in the promised land. God is giving a picture from the Old Testament to us. Okay? Let's go back. Everything. That's first Peter. Second uh, Peter, chapter 1. 3 to uh, 3 and 4. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, we need to get to know him, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. We have these promises. These promises is not written, it is spoken. It is written, but has to be spoken. Because the Spirit has to speak to us. Otherwise, every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But we have to hear. He will speak to our spirit. That through these, what is the whole thing? You may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Picture there. There is corruption in the physical realm that is taking place. No rain. Everything is dry. Everything is dry. Animals are dying. People are all moving. One man heard. It's difficult to believe. But he obeyed. And because he planned it, he escaped the corruption. Everybody is running to Egypt, the world. But he escaped that. He partook of the divine nature of God and escaped the corruption that was in Egypt. His father went there, Lord fell. 
Right? So he escaped. So he's giving a picture how God works. Okay, how God. Now let us read from verse 5 to 9. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours, not only yours, and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Okay? Go back to 5. But also for this very reason, this very reason, what is the reason? The reason is given in 3 and 4. Okay? This very reason. Okay, God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. How do we do that? Through the knowledge of Him. How do you get to know Him? Through the exceedingly great promises. How do you know it is real? Because you partake of His nature and escape this nature. There are two natures. The two nature is my nature. The old nature. The Adamic nature. His nature is the Christ nature. How do you know this has worked in your life? Because you partake of his nature and escape the other nature. Okay? So don't let anybody preach another message that Jesus did not come in the flesh. How did Jesus walk? He walked in the same way. His father had given him everything that pertains to life and to godliness. How? Through the exceedingly great promises. And he knew the promises. He heard the promises. He walked in the promises. And he escaped the corruption in the world by partaking of the divine nature every day, one day at a time. He partook of that nature. Because he came in the flesh. But he partook of that other nature. How? He was showing us away. So, for this very reason, give diligent, all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Wait a second. So, before we can do anything, this is written only to believers. This is not written to anybody else. Even if you are an unbeliever reading this, it will not work for you if you try to practice. Because you need to have faith first. You need to be a child of God who is saved first. This is written. And when it comes to faith, everybody is the same. No difference at all with God. Absolutely no difference without God. Okay? Everybody is the same. You are saved by grace through faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. And by faith, we stand in this grace. Okay? This is the life. Please understand this when it comes. Now go to verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. Who is it written to? Simon Peter, the apostle, who was, of course, given special faith, and to all you little fellows, you need to work until you receive my kind of faith. He says, no, all of us receive the same faith. There's no difference at all. It's equal. Everybody came in through the same door. 
everybody, my faith and your faith is not different. Only I worked on it. Peter is saying, you work on it. Okay. The faith I received, the faith you received is everybody's faith is the same. It was faith to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And in the life of Jesus Christ, the faith is the same. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God. Not my righteousness, not the righteousness of the law, not the righteousness of self. It is just the free gift of the righteousness of God by faith. So it is written to everybody by faith. So anybody, so only those who are born. Okay? Go back to five. For this very reason, be very, very diligent to add to your faith. One faith. Everybody has the same faith. One faith, seven jewels. One faith, in this particular epistle, one faith, add seven jewels. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And when you do that, what are you partaking? You are partaking of the divine nature of God. With all diligence. With all diligence. Keep adding. Keep adding. Not just keep adding. Keep on adding. And keep on abounding in it. These are the seven supplements of faith. Keep adding. And he says in verse 8, If these things are yours and abound, you will not be barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, if these things are not yours, then you are barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our What does it mean? What does it really mean? He says, if you add these seven things and keep on Adding, this knowledge of Jesus Christ will become your life. It's not bearing. It's bearing fruit in your life. The knowledge of Christ has become the life of Christ in you. You won't be barren and unfruitful. Keep adding, he says. Keep adding. Work on these seven things. Keep adding. Keep adding. You won't be. And he says, on the other hand, if you lack these things, you are short-sighted. Oh, you are short-sighted. You can be short-sighted to the point you are blinded. Even to blind. Short-sight is one thing. Blindness is the extreme. Short-sighted to blindness. And you have actually forgotten that you are cleansed of his old sins. You have forgotten about your salvation. It's the purpose of your salvation. He says, so it's not an option that you are barren and unfruitful in the life of Jesus Christ. You have to keep adding. Okay? And verse 11, he says, or verse 10, that is how, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. How do you make your call and election? How do I, you know, yesterday there was um, questions were asked, you know, I don't like people asking, like, you know, on that Sunday, how do I know, uncle, how do I know I am saved? This is how you know. See, the life of Christ can never be imitated. It's inside. It's never questioned. You look inside and you know you are saved. It's not your life, it's his life. Nobody has to tell you, nobody can question you. People can stand and jump and tell you are not saved, you know you are saved. You know you are saved. 
you don't need a, you don't need a DNA test to prove who is the father of the spirit inside. You know, it's not my life. I know who I was. I know who I am not. This is not me. It's not me. This is not uh, improvement of the old self. You know, this is simply not me. For if you do these things, you will make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. What are you talking about? You can keep abounding, abounding, abounding in these seven things. Keep adding to your faith. He says, in your walk of faith, you will not even stumble from the life of Christ to the life of self. That's what you're talking about. Because it, it, everything changes as you walk in Christ. Our understanding of life itself changes. And how will you look at eternity? Eleven. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. That's what Paul is talking about. I see my crown. He's able to see his entrance. Stephen is able to see his entrance. I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand side of God. He's able to see his entrance. An entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Because the life of Christ is growing, 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 growing. What is the hope of your glory? Christ in you. You look inside and you know. No. So he's talking about reality. He's talking about a life. Now he's not talking about the death of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ is how I was cleansed from my sins. This is talking about the life of Jesus Christ. You understand the doctrine of the devil? How he messes us up? Okay. So if we go and then verse 14 and 15, Paul is gung-ho about it. Okay, he's about to die. He said, knowing shortly I must put off my tent. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things even after my decease. That's why I'm writing to you. I'm dying. I'm going. I'm getting my crown. But I'm writing to that that even after my death, I'll keep on reminding you, my children, this is the way to run. There's no other way. Don't let anybody. So you see, every one of them was writing with the same intention. You know what? The spirit of Antichrist is there. If he cannot stop you from getting saved, he will do his best. That's what Paul is talking about. I've been there. I have kept the wolves out. After I'm gone, they will come. And how will they do? They will draw after themselves disciples because you have itching ears. They will turn eternity to the world. They'll move you from the life of Christ to the life in the flesh and say that's God's will for you. And you will, you will love it. Love it. You will like it. And then by the time you realize, oh, it was all false, you realize, oh my gosh, I got only a few seconds left. Lord, save me. And God says, come up. You lost everything. You lost everything. Okay. So let us go back to verse 5. For this reason, for this very reason, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. Okay. This is the Spirit of God speaking through Peter. Give diligence. You have your faith. You have come to the Lord. You are saved. You have been cleansed of all your sins. But now to that, add virtue. Not knowledge. Add virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. If you add knowledge to your faith, you will only become a pain in the neck proud 
stiff-necked believer. Add to faith virtue. And to virtue you add knowledge. You will be fine. You will be fine. Add virtue first. Some translations will use the term for virtue as goodness. And I and all use. Okay? But remember there are virtue is put as one term. But there are many, many virtues. Okay? Like I said, some translations will use the term goodness. Add to your faith goodness. Now we need to understand. Let's, let's to make it simple, let's use both words, virtue and goodness. Why does God do good? Because he is good. That's why he does good. God never does evil. Even in his judgment, he only does good. Let us imagine somebody was finally caught. All the evidence is against him. He is serial killer. And he's in the court. He's brought to the judge. Sentencing time. The judge sentences him to either life imprisonment, if you are in the West, some countries, or let us say in India, he is sentenced to hang until death. What does the people say about the judge? Is he bad or good? He's good. He says he's a good judge, right? Nobody will say he's a evil judge. How can he sentence a man to death? On the other hand, if he says, how many people has he killed? Twenty-five. And how, what did you, many women he raped, he tortured, he choked children, okay, oh no, release him, let him go. What will they call him? Evil. So please understand, God is good. When we say God is good, he's good all the time, not the way we think. He's good all the time. Even when the wrath of God is poured, you need to realize he's good. And that's why the wrath is poured. God is good all the time. So everything he does is Good. Why? Because he is good. So the first thing a believer has to understand after he has come to the Lord is, God does not want us to do good things. Because you all did good things earlier also. He doesn't want you to do good things. He wants to make us like him. Good. So that it will flow from us naturally. That's what he's trying to do. That is what salvation is. To grow in your salvation. Why? Because even evil people do good. They do very good things. Imagine, Pastor Vijay is a wrong example. Uh, Roshan, do you like dogs? Dogs. Yeah. So imagine Roshan has a dog. He's scared of dogs, so he cannot uh, bring that. Uh, Imagine Roshan has a dog and he loves his dog. He gets up in the morning, takes his dog for a walk, and they would say, oh, his dog listens to him, and he listens to the dog. Okay. <laughs> and everybody says, look at Roshan, no? he's such a good person. Look at him, how he loves dogs. He's very kind with dogs, feeds the stray dogs, and everything. He loves dogs, right? Do you know Hitler loved dogs? Hitler loved dogs. Do you know how many people, how many millions Stalin killed? Do you know Stalin loved his daughters? 
you know the 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 terrible ordeal Iraqis lived for years and years and years under Saddam Hussein. But do you know he loved his sons? Do you know every cattle boss, the mafia cattle boss, how good they are to their families and all those who come under their protection? God doesn't want us to do good things. The old man has both good and evil. Either you ate from that tree, so I don't want anything of that. I want my nature, virtue. Go to verse 3. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He has, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and, and virtue. He called you and me out of his goodness and he wants us to walk in that goodness. That goodness of virtue. Evil people can do good things. Please remember. God is not talking about that. God is talking about his nature. That is salvation. The seed by which we are born again is God's seed. He says grow in it, not the old man. Grow in it. Listen to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, 18 and 19. A certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now he's not saying he's not good, but he says, Why are you calling me good? What do you know about me? What do you know about me? To call me good. You don't know me. Second, I haven't finished my race yet. The one who will declare me good is God. Once I finish my race and completed what he sent me to do, then he can say I am good. Because there is only one. No one is good but one. That is God. Because he's come in the flesh. So you can't call me good. Because I haven't finished yet. And you don't know anything about me. Meaning don't call anybody good. Unless it is the life of Christ. The life of God in him. Only God is intrinsically good. That's why I said, even in his judgments, he's good. He is virtue embodied. Okay. You know, this KJV will use this interesting word, virtue, when it talks about the woman with the issue of blood 12 years, that when she came without him knowing, touched the hem of his robe, virtue flowed. Meaning, why did she get healed? Because of his goodness. The goodness of God. Why do we get fed every day? We have wicked, evil people all around the world. Why does God take care of us? Because of his goodness. Why does this rain fall upon the just and the unjust? Because he's good. Because he is good. That's his nature. God is good. So this can be added only to faith. And by faith. So the question is, Lord, okay, we got it in theory. Now, how do I do it? Scripture, okay, important. We are looking only at virtue today. And that's only one part of virtue. <laughs> if virtue can be taught in one hour, then it is not virtue. Okay. No man can teach it. Simply. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 30. Luke 11, 9 to 30. 9 to 13, okay. 
So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. This is where contextual preaching is also very important. Because you can take this out and then ask for money. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, he says, I know you are evil, but you give good gifts to your children. Now listen, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when we ask, actually ask the father, or what we should ask the father, Lord, you are good, give me. What should we ask for? The Holy Spirit. Now, what you have to understand is the context in which this entire discourse is on. Go to chapter 11 itself, verse 1 and 2. Then we'll understand what he's asking about. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So suddenly we are understanding John taught his disciples to pray. We don't know what he taught, but we know what Jesus taught. So they asked him, he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. We know that. So they asked him, teach us to pray. So he said, this is how you need to pray. And he will tell you should pray and never give up. Ask it shall be given, seek it shall be knocked. And then at the end of it, the entire discourse on prayer is that if you ask the Father, what will he give you? The Holy Spirit. What is the entire sum total of the Lord's prayer? If I have to keep it, I need the Holy Spirit. Thy name, thy will, thy kingdom, my daily bread, to forgive my trespasses, to keep away from the evil one. All that, how is it possible? Through his spirit. What is that? The life of Christ. You see what is what he is talking about here? What is he saying? This should be your prayer every day. Every day your prayer. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Let me ask you this question. Why do we do the things we do? Because of whatever spirit is in us. Like the joke written in Mumbai in Bandra. When the spirit leaves the body, 20 people are allowed to gather. But to allow the spirit to get into the body, thousand people are allowed to stand in the queue. The difference between a funeral and standing before the liquor shop. Right? That's how the world. Simple question is this. Why do we do the things we do? It's the nature of the spirit in us. When somebody is angry, we'll say he's got an angry spirit. When somebody is jealous, you'll say he's got a jealous spirit. Right? When somebody is covetous, you'll say he's got a covetous spirit. Why do we do the things which, what we do? Because of the spirit that is in us. Why did Jesus do the things which he did? Because of the spirit that was in him. Spirit that was in him. So that's what Jesus is talking about. Ask, seek, Knock. For what? Lord, I want your spirit. 
I want more of your spirit. I'm sick and tired of my spirit. I want your spirit. Now you look at Matthew 5 verse 6 and read it differently. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled with what? With his spirit. With his spirit. With his spirit. We think, Lord, I'm hungry for your righteousness. We'll get a Bible study. God says, no. I'll give you my spirit so that when you read your Bible, you will understand what my life is. And then my spirit will enable you to become that. Then it becomes my life. Because without my spirit, nothing will happen. Remember Zechariah 4, 6? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Everything is done by the spirit. Fill me. John chapter 7, 37 and 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, which is which is this day? Which feast is this? Feast of the Tabernacles. What does that mean? Tabernacles? That God will come and live among them. Okay? They have been doing this for centuries and nothing is happening. So he waited. That was his God's time. Remember his brother said go in the beginning. He didn't go. After a few days he went and he hid himself. He didn't reveal himself at all. It's only on the last day he revealed himself. So that's the father speak, spirit speaking to him. On the last day revealed to them, they waited all these eight days or how many days for this feast of tabernacles, saying, Lord, fill us. And the high priest will very ceremoniously come and pour water. Nothing is all ceremony. Nothing is happening over there. So he stands up and he cries, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rewards of living water. What is that? You drink of my spirit, it will flow out. It will be my life. My life. Only those who are thirsty. Only those who are thirsty. Okay. He says, do we understand what the spirit of the Antichrist keeps away from us? And what is the doctrine of Christ? The doctrine of Christ is the life of Christ. And how we appropriate that life. And now let us get into practicals. Real practical how this happens. Okay, how do you think God poured his spirit into his son's life? Not because he was a son. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard of because of his godly fear. So he cried out. What is he doing? Emptying himself of self. Lord, help me, Lord. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. God says, yes, here. Receive my spirit. And he walked free. And that's the same prayer he gave us. Which he prayed. Which he practiced. What do you think God did each day? To his cry. He emptied, God filled. He emptied, God filled. He emptied, God filled. So every day he lived the life of God on earth through the Holy Spirit. And God is not a conjuice. John 3.34 He's not a conjuice at all. For he whom God sends speaks the words of God for God does not give the spirit with measure. 
That's why he spoke the very words of God. Why? Because he was filled without measure. So he never spoke his words. Why? Lord, I want to speak your word, Lord. If I memorize from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, 21, will it happen? God says, no, it will not happen. You will still speak your word. Even if you are quoting Bible, you will be speaking your word, not my word. If you have to speak my word, it's not enough to have scripture. You need to be filled with my spirit. Then you will be speaking my word. Are we getting the picture? Then, he was not only filled with faith, he was filled with virtue. He was adding what? Virtue or goodness to his faith. It's not enough to walk by faith. You have to add goodness to our faith. Virtue to our faith. Now we look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing? Right? He's filled with goodness. If you're filled with goodness, what else can you do? Goodness and power. Power for doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was. Do you know how scripture changes its meaning? And gets deeper and deeper. And when we understand, there's only one format for God with man. That God will live through man. Or the devil will live through man. Only two formats. So he went about doing good. And all he did was good. This was the goodness of the Holy Spirit all flowing through his life. So like we keep saying, ouch. My favorite train. Right? This is my spirit. This is my soul. Or this is my body. The Holy Spirit has to fill our spirit and start overflowing into the soul. Getting it? The soul has to be renewed and renewed and renewed, renewed with the word of God. The Holy Spirit cannot flow into the soul when the soul is full of the word, of the world. It won't work. It has to be renewed by the word. And then when the spirit flows in and the soul is full of the word, the body will do only good. Don't do bad. Don't do bad. It will do good. And God says, this is the format. And I send my son out to you. This is the goodness. Okay. And it doesn't matter how extreme the situation is. Because people, good people do good works. But when they are in a foul temper, the other work comes out. But it does not matter. You can be an unbelievably extreme situation. That's Jesus on the cross. Still only goodness flows. The situation does not matter. You don't need conducive situations for goodness to flow. Are you getting it? Your circumstances, your conditions is no longer controlling what flows from you. You are good because God has filled you and God is good. So only goodness is flowing out. So on the cross, what comes? Only goodness. Now you will say that's because it is Jesus. No. 
That is the pattern God has given to us through his son. Acts chapter 7, 59 and 60. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on the Lord saying, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What came out of him? Goodness. The reason this is written over there is to tell us that, look, this is not a one-time event I did with my son on earth. This is an all-time event I want to do with all my children. So, one man's death alone in the entire Bible after Jesus is given. One man's death. The others, when they are living, will say, I don't hold it against them, I forgive them and all that, they say. But this man, when he's dying... The goodness of God is flowing through him. So God says, add goodness or virtue to your faith. Okay. So true faith is a walk. It's a walk. Second Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith. So if you're walking by faith, God says keep adding what? Virtue. Because true faith is a life and it becomes consistent as either, whichever way you put it. You grow in the Lord or the Lord grows in you. While sight is a mixture of good and evil. Faith is only good. Faith is only good. Faith cannot be evil. Because faith is the life of God. Sight is the life of man. The religious man is worried about good works. The spiritual man is not worried about good works. He's more concerned about Christ living through him. He's not concerned about good works. He's concerned about his life. Who is living? It's me or him. Because the best of man is still man. But even the least of Christ is still spirit. The best of man is still man, still flesh. But even the least of Christ in a child of God is still spirit and it's still good. So the question is, we also have to ask. Yes, he cried out to the Lord every day that was his pattern. Emptied, filled, emptied, kept on filling, 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 filled without measure. Okay, because one thing about this is spirit can be filled without measure because the spirit can grow without measure unlike your body <laughs> body whatever it is a limit at some age you stop growing vertically after that you start growing horizontally but even there there is a limit after that you explode <laughs> okay <laughs> okay what spirit no so the question we need to ask is why was christ filled without measure why was he consistent? What was the key factor that he wanted his disciples to learn from him? Therefore, all of us. Matthew 11, 29, 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy yoke is easy and my burden is light he said this one thing i want to learn from you he was telling them okay they wanted to learn many things teach us to pray so i can give you a model prayer it is ineffective if you don't learn one thing i can teach you everything all of that will not work unless you learn this main thing from my life now from all this teaching to these two disciples this is the main thing you need to learn from my life this is who i am i am gentle and lowly in heart in other words i am humble i am humble and he's not proud when he's saying that like moses said wrote he was the humblest jesus is humble when he say he is humble and says i want you to learn from me this okay first spirit after 5 6 we know that therefore humble thyself under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time he says only the humble can be lifted up and the question is how do you lift a humble person how does god lift a humble person How how do you lift a balloon? Fill it with air and release it. A balloon lying over there is just lying over there. You can't do anything with it. But if you fill it with air, release it, it goes up. Why? The air takes it. God says the way I lift a humble person is I fill them with my spirit, and only the humble can be filled. Only the humble can be filled. The others cannot be filled. Only the humble can be filled. Now go to Philippians chapter two and let's read from verses five to eight. Yes, this is the greatest of virtues which God wants us to have. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is this mind? It's not talking about this incredible mind which knows everything. He says, "No, I don't even know when I am coming next time." Like. Jesus today's ministry is over yes shall we eat and sleep yes do you know what we are doing tomorrow he said no i don't know because i have to find out tomorrow i'm an itinerant preacher the boss hasn't told me what i'm doing tomorrow so it is not talking about the mind that knows everything no this is not that mind it's not talking about that it's the attitude of that mind who being in the form of god did not consider robbery to be equal with god he was in the form of god he was equal to god made himself of no reputation he made himself he humbled himself taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man so when did he humble himself he humbled himself when he became a man god is humble so jesus being humble as god is one thing that is god's nature jesus being humble as a man was different different thing altogether as a man he humbled himself by emptying himself and depending upon his father for knowledge wisdom understanding and power every day that's how he humbled himself as a man he humbled himself and every day he heard and he was obedient obedient till what till the point of death that is the death of self did it happen on the cross it happened before that not my will but your will be done to the death 
and even the death on the cross, humbled himself. That's why it is put before knowledge. It is the virtue. Add to your faith what? Humility. Virtue. That virtue. What is that virtue? Primary thing we need, God says, it's the humble. You know where the English word humility comes from? It comes from the word humus, which means soil or earth. That's why we say a humble man is down to earth. Down to earth. That's why in the old covenant a pattern was given. When somebody humbled himself, he put sackcloth and dust and was flat on the earth. Can't go below this God. So David is on his face before the Lord. Humble. So we need to realize we are all in a hurry to do. But God is not. God is is more interested in us to be, not to do. He said, you don't have to do. You be good first. It is easy to do. So for 30 years, God was preparing his son. Because he came in the flesh. Have this mind. What is that mind? Colossians 3.12. KJV. Can I have KJV? 3.12 KJV. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness. And what kind of mind? Humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind. Put on. So we need to understand 2000 years ago, God entered into our realm as one of us. And change that entire conversation of what a true leader is and what leadership is. Everything was changed after him. Not before him or after him. It is when he entered, everything changed. Look at Matthew chapter 12, 23, verses 11 and 12. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Boom! Everybody's ego is gone. Whoever exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It is interesting that when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says he had humbled himself to the uttermost point of death, obedient to the cross. But Pilate put something over that when they wanted him to change, he said, no, it will not be changed. I've all written already. What was written? King of the Jews. And who is the king of the Jews? The humblest of all is the king of the Jews. The humblest of all. Are you getting the picture of what he said? He changed everything. And unless we get this into a picture, we will be swallowed by the lie of the enemy. John chapter 13, verses 12 onwards. His first final practical lesson, final practical lesson to his disciples. And when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? I have done to you. You call me teacher and Lord. And you say well. So am I. I am teacher and I am Lord. But if then I. If I then your Lord and teacher. Have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. That you should do as I have done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Yes? 17.2 For you know these things. Blessed are you if you do them. He says, blessed. You know this. You know what humility is. You know what virtue is. You know what goodness is. You are blessed if you become that. Do you know what happened after that? Judas left. He realized. In English terms, I put my bet on the wrong horse. He left. He was a smart one. Worldly smart one in that lot was he understood everything what Jesus was speaking. He said, okay, this kingdom business is not going to happen now. It is not name it, claim it, get it. He followed Jesus for the prosperity gospel and he found it's not going to happen. This is death to self. Matthew 18 verses 3 and 4. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will know by means enter the kingdom of God. He says, you know what? One virtue you need even to enter into the kingdom of God. Though you do not enter by virtue, you enter by faith. You know what you need? You need humility. Therefore, whoever humbles him, he says, without humility, at some point in your life, it doesn't matter how many years you heard the message, some point in your life you'll have to humble yourself before that message. Then you enter. To enter, you need to be humble. To become the greatest, also you need to be humble. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as his little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. He says, entry and exit is decided by humility. How you reach there, what you will be there. Matthew 20, 26 and 27. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. We are not getting it. It is not to say that morning you will take up a broom and start doing it. It is not talking about that. God cannot send you to whom he wants to send you unless you have this in your heart. Otherwise you will choose where you will serve God. You will not go where God will send you. So Peter could be sent to the Jews. Paul could be sent to the Gentiles. Why? Because they understood. Paul would have loved going to the Jews. Because that's what, what he was trained for. And Peter would have preferred going to the Gentiles because if he made a boo-boo, they wouldn't understand. <laughs> because he had foot in the mouth disease anyway. But they wouldn't understand what he was saying. Because they didn't know understand the Hebrew scriptures. Paul on the other could confound the Hebrews with the knowledge of the scripture. God says, no, I'll humble you. Both. You are both humble? Yes. You go to the Gentiles, you go to the Jews. Yes, Lord. Philippians 2.8 We read that. Or the, this thing has gone. 
Yeah, you can read it for me. He humbled himself to. To the point of death. Death on the cross. What does it mean? What does it think about for a minute? Just think for a minute. That big virtue he added to his faith, which is humility. What does it mean? His humility was the reason for your and my salvation. If he hadn't been humble, you wouldn't have been saved. The very reason for our salvation itself was his humility. Are you getting it? Go back to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, vehement cries and tears to him, was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And verse 9. And when he was made, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Let me ask you, what was one virtue? All virtues, yes, but today's light, what was that virtue was perfected in? In humility. And he became the source of salvation. Why? Because utter point of humility is dying on the cross. In his case. He was made perfect. That is why scripture is talking about add to your faith these seven jewels and abound in it. Bound in it. It's the very life of Christ Jesus. Perfection. Are we getting it? Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. YouTube is not working. Back? Okay. 30 seconds delay, it's coming. Second Corinthians 13 5. Examine yourself as whether you are in the faith. Kya karna? Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. It is not your confession. It is not your works, how many Bible studies and how many messages I preach, nothing. It's only test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Christ Jesus in you? That's the only evidence, the life of Christ. Otherwise, you are disqualified. It's the only proof. There's no other proof. If you're scripturally born again, you should be scripturally living also. The life of Christ. There's no other proof. There's no other evidence. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. How do you know you are saved? Check yourself. Because it's, it's a faith life, it has got nothing to do with the gifts working. Lord, Lord, we did this in your name and we did this and this. I don't even know you. Whose life is this you're talking about? I don't see me and you talking about you workers of iniquity. What are you talking about? I don't know you. He knows them. He knows them. It's not that he doesn't know them. Otherwise, how will he know they are workers of iniquity? He says, I know you. (laughs) But I don't see me in you. I don't see me in you. You did my works. But in those works, my life was not flowing. It was just a gift. It was not a life. I didn't call you to come and show before people my gifts and your life. I call you to show my life and then my gifts. The problem is gifts, yes. 
life no. And you are judged for your life, not for your gifts. That's what Jesus said. Don't worry about them. You lie a tree by its fruit. By its fruit. And he says, test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Whose life? Whose life? See, we all want to do. God says, no. I want you to be. And because his, my son's work was the greatest work anyone in the flesh would ever do, because he couldn't even blink wrong. <laughs> because all your salvation, all our salvation was dependent upon his life. So I waited 30 years for him. Absolutely was certain. My spirit was very certain at the age of 30 he can be released outside. Because I was watching him for 30 years in his house. He never went wrong. 30 years he surrendered completely as a simple young man, boy, teenager, young man in his house for the Holy Spirit to live through him. I watched him. Then told him, go out. Then I watched him for three and a half years. And he was absolutely clear. It was not my his life. It was my life. If you are in the faith, then Christ Jesus. So we are all on that road. Okay, It's not one day, but we are on that road every day. And every day we go, this is a practical thing. Like I keep saying, ultimately, that's what the apostles realized. They said, we will not get involved in all these things. We will separate ourselves to the ministry of what? Prayer and word. We will pray. We will cry out to the Lord. Lord, fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us. With what? Your life. And what did Jesus come? Have come to give you? His life. How the enemy has taken and made life into things. He has come to give us life and see that his life, all oh, how they changed the entire message around, made life into things. Okay. And as we close, we will look at 15 scriptures. Honestly, one by one by one, we will look at scripture. Because unlike any of the four gospels, the gospel of John lays bear the life of Jesus while the other three gospels focuses more on the works of Jesus the gospel of John because he was the closest and he was the one to live last revelation which he had of Jesus life and you will see the doctrine of Christ is there he was humble lowly he had virtue added to his faith John 5:19 Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. What is he saying? I don't live. My Father lives through me. How? Through the Spirit. I have humbled myself. I go cry. I die to myself. Let my Father. What he sees, what he does, what he speaks. 5.30. Next is 5.41. Yeah, three zero. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Why? Because I judge only as I hear. And because also my judgment is right, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. You see how John is 41. I do not receive honor from men. Because the minute you receive honor from men, you are you, you start flipping. He says, I do not receive honor from men. I'll only receive honor from God. I'll not receive. Because if you receive honor from men, 
He says, you're touching my flesh. And my flesh is dead. I will not honor. That's why even when it's a good master, he said, wait a second. Eight minute, Rokdo. Wait, wait a second. Who told you? I'll not receive honor from you. If he had, on the other hand, he come and says, Master, God is good, he would have said, yes, God is good. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 7.16, then 7.28. Jesus answered and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who said. He said, I don't even have a doctrine of my own. Yet you know how John begins the gospel? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And he says, I have no doctrine. Why? Because I came in the flesh. I will not speak anything of my own. I do not have a doctrine of my own. My doctrine is of the one who sent me. 7.28. Jesus cried out and as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me and you know where I am from. I have not come of myself. But he who sent me is true whom you do not know. I will not speak about myself. I have not even come on my own. 8.28 Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. 8.42 And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. 8.50 I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. I don't seek my own. I am seeking his glory. So what who? He says, God is seeking glory and he will find glory in me. I will be glorified in him and he will be glorified in me. I do not seek my own glory. I am seeking his glory. 14.10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. 14.24 He who does not love me does not keep my words. But the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Do you need more than this? <laughs> he never lived his life. And when he's talking about the Father, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, how the God lives through him. He says, it's not my life. I never spoke. I never did. I never sought my glory. It is entirely, completely of the Father. So he showed us a way. He showed us a way. So it's not, we are not talking about the death of Jesus Christ. That is from where my salvation came. I am saved. Faith. Now he says to faith, keep adding these things. The first thing you add to faith is, Virtue. And one of the primary virtues you need to do, have is humility. And humility is what? Emptying of self. Every day. And say, Lord, come. Humility is not servility or, you no know, walking like this. I'm not talking about any of those. Jesus never walked like that. When he came out of his prayer closet, he was an incredibly bold and confident man. Because, but he was not living. His father was living. His father was living. And God says, that is the life, the death and the life of my son. And he says, if not, you take my death, 
You let the devil live through you. He says, no, that is the doctrine of the Antichrist. There is a doctrine that is called the doctrine of Christ. And the doctrine of Christ begins with this. The doctrine of Christ will correspond to the life of Christ. And even that is not our life. It is him living through us. And that's why, as we close, go to Matthew 11, 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Why is it, why is this burden light? Because it's the Holy Spirit living through you. Burden is very, very light. Like I, like, like we are one, two, three, we are here, a few of us, and Raj is here. Like I think I've said this before also. Apu is there, upstairs. Actually, Apu's life can be absolutely at rest and light. All she has to ask every day is, Raj, what do you want me to do? If Raj tells Apu, I don't want you to serve anybody in my house, and Apu will say, please eat downstairs, and she is fine. She is fine, and we will all eat down. She doesn't have to listen to anybody. She doesn't have to listen to anybody except Raj. I'm talking about in a genuine godly marriage where Raj is a man of God and Apu is a woman of God. Okay, I'm talking about. But generally, that's what it means. She said, "Rest." You know how, what it is rest for a believer? Just listen to God. That's all. He says the yoke is nice. The burden is light. You don't have you have rest for you. You don't have to worry about this pandemic. You think the pandemic is going to kill you? Can the pandemic kill you? If my time hasn't come in your life yet, you are surrendered to me, your body is surrendered to me, your life is surrendered to me, and if I haven't finished my work through you, do you think I can be killed? Because you are not living anyway. Even his own town, they took him to the top of the mountain, they throw him there, he just walked through them, because time hadn't come. You cannot be killed. If you are dead, you cannot be, you can only die once, you cannot die twice. He says, if you die daily, you cannot be killed because I live through you and I will finish my work in you and then I will take you home. That's why he's talking about, they think, they thought they killed Stephen. Scripture says he fell asleep. God says, your work is over. Come home. There is no other way to face the things we are facing. Everybody is worried about the pandemic and the hornet and the mark of the beast and all God says. Teach us how to escape all this. For everything, there is only one way. To escape anything, there is only one way. God says, it's my life. My life is the only life of victory. You cannot appropriate principles and expect to live in victory. He says, no, that's the life of the self. That's not what it is. The new covenant is the life of God in man. God lives through man. And whenever we are restless... We need to go back immediately. That's why scripture keeps telling, labor to enter into my rest. I'll give rest for you. And any man who has entered into his rest has ceased from his, ah, from his works. And he ceased from his works. He ceased from his life. 
And if then there are works after that, those are the works of God and the life of God. And every day that's what Jesus is doing. He gets up early in the morning, goes and cries out to the Father and says, Father, I want to die so that you can live. And the Father said, good job, son. And fills him with the Holy Spirit. And he goes out. He goes out. And in each one of our situations, wherever God has placed us, we live that life. We live that life. Now, wherever God, the hand of God is in different ways. A wife under the husband, children under the parents, so many different ways within the body of Christ God has placed. And we live like that. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And David, people like David and all understood that. People will say, what happened if the, my boss is a ruthless man? Of course, David's boss was a ruthless man. But that didn't change anything of God's plans for David. Right? Samuel was living under the most blinded priesthood. <laughs> that did not stop from God speaking to him. God was just looking at him and says, Are you dying to yourself, Samuel, every day? Yes. He ministered under Eli. He had no clue what his ministering in the temple was. We'll say ministered under them, this thing. You know probably what Eli told him? Bring that rag. Yeah, wipe this clean. Okay. That's ministering under Eli. Come here. Jadu Okay, Swab here says Sam, and he is doing for once some ally found somebody who would do what he told. And he's ministering, and God says that is ministry. What do you think? He was sitting there at the age of six and reading the Torah? No. And then when the time came, God says, You know, I watched you, little Samuel. Now I can speak to you. And then scripture says, The word of the Lord came to Samuel. Then the word of the Lord came to all Israel. You know why? Because he had learned to die to himself. And therefore God could live through him. At least in the Old Testament pattern. How much more in the New Covenant? How much more in the New Covenant? And God says, you will have rest for my souls. So all those who are hearing it, don't not be troubled. Don't have to be troubled. And how restful it is to hear people who came to the Lord in the past two months, and many of them, because of the background, they came in from them, and they write and says, ten of our people have died, but we are happy. We know they have gone to the Lord. Where did the rest come from? Where did the rest come from? They would never have had that rest if it had been before getting saved, the same people would have died. It would have been a great morning party and wailing and crying and all that stuff. But nothing now. They have rest. Where did the rest come from? Because they know. You know. That's what the Bible is talking about. There is a rest. And it's into that rest. And the rest given by the Spirit of God. And that's what God has given us this 60-day lockdown. Learn how to end. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Even worry is, is a sign of the self. That's why worry is not acceptable to God. Because when I am worried, that means I have to fight it instead of, oh my, that's what, he will talk to his own soul. Oh my soul, why are you downcast? Why are you downcast? You are lifting yourself up. <laughs> we don't realize that worry is lifting yourself up. Anxiety is lifting, you know. That's what he looked and said. Don't you care for us, he said. Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And you trust me? He's fast asleep in the midst of a storm. 
and they are going crazy. And they show their concern has virtue. And his lack of concern has a great terrible thing. <laughs> he says, why are you worried? Don't you have any faith? Why are you afraid? Okay, you need to realize, even when you wake him up from his sleep, the virtue is flowing. I don't know whether he tries it with his children. Our parents used to do that when we were small. No, like no, you know the difficult things. No, wake you up suddenly in the morning. Get up, get up, get up, get up. And okay, six six ah, thirty six. Okay, you learned it. <laughs> because whatever you can remember when you wake up, that means you learned it by heart. And tables was the most difficult for me because it's math. And you could wake Jesus up from the sleep and virtue is flowing. You could nail him on the cross, virtue is flowing. Okay, and God saying, you know what? I'm showed you a life that is possible and it is possible through my son. Keep adding, keep doing. You won't reach there in one day or one year, but keep growing. Keep adding, 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 adding. And when you abound in this, you will not even stumble. And you can make your election, your call and election, sure. And when you die, you will get a rich entrance. Imagine when Paul died. Or today Revisak died. Can you imagine what an entrance he got to heaven? And we do not know. We are presuming from here. Okay, His other side of the life, I judge he was a godly, incredibly godly man. I believe that. But there is another. Because we may look at Rebbe's like, oh my God, he might have risen. At the same time, some poor lady from an underground China church might have died and she might get a bigger entry. See, we do not judge anybody. Because he was on TV and YouTube and all, we know him. But God alone knows another lady who never went out anywhere, struggled all her life, but never lost her calm, never lost her anxiety, never lost her peace and prayed her way through. And God says, here comes my overcomer. So don't look at any of those things. Okay, we never know. We never ever know. So many saints have made it today. And they all would have got great entry. Some, Most of them we don't even know. One we know. Otherwise then, what about the poor housewives who get beaten up and still are loving and kind and still cook for that same man and still pray him through and take care of the children? What about them? Whose life is that? Whose life is that? Because otherwise we'll put that crowns are connected with preaching. He says, no, crowns are connected with their life. It's not got to do with works. It's with their life. It's with their life. It's an incredible encouragement when we look at it and say God wants us to be first and not do and then it will automatically flow. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. Yes, Father, the more we understand, we truly realize, oh Lord, it is not heavy. Your yoke is not heavy. It is light. It is easy. The difficult part is dying to self. The difficult part is not doing your works. The difficult part is dying to self. The easy part is doing your works. 
Because if we die, you will do it. You will live it out through us. I pray, Father, as we hear these words every day, day in and day out, we pray around the world, your children will, all of us will appropriate that life each day, one day at a time, emptying ourselves. And as your Spirit shows us more and more and more of that self being nailed to the cross, more and more of you coming into us, that we are making our call and our election sure. And we will realize we stumble lesser and lesser and lesser because Christ does not stumble. Christ does not stumble. And we realize as we examine our faith, we see Christ in us. Oh Father, I pray we will not miss out on the second part of the gospel. Not just the death of Jesus Christ, but the resurrection power and the life of Jesus Christ be manifested in us now. For as He is, so are we. There's no another life you are offering us. So help us through us each day, Lord, each day. Once again, I bring your church and all those who are listening and I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over everyone. Protect your people. I speak your life. I speak your strength. I speak your healing over every body that is sick. Take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I command every spirit of infirmity to leave in Jesus' name. Take authority in the name of Jesus. We speak blindness in the ranks of the enemy. And all the works of the enemy will fail over your people. And your people will live a protected life during this season especially. You will cover them, protect them and keep them. Thank you Father. Thank you Lord. We commit the rest of the night into thy hands. And we pray once again. Not our will. Thy will be done in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.